And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other pro, uh, platforms we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. My name is Warren Landis, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And um, I am so delighted that you have seen fit to tune this way and uh, actually make this program part of your daily study in the Word of God. Uh, I know a lot of people that tell me they either listen to this broadcast right after their regular Bible study or right afterwards, and and that's certainly good. <laughs> that That is a good thing. Uh, the biggest thing that I try to encourage on this program is a daily reading and studying of the Word of God. Because I don't know any way to be a successful, strong Christian and a consistent Christian without you getting into the Word of God every single day. Now, sometimes that means you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to take some things off the table, maybe, and give those up instead of, you know not listening to this program. In other words, you make this program, Sunshine USA, along with Bible study, a daily commitment. Now, one thing that will actually help is if you let your friends and neighbors know what time every day you study the Word of God. You know, you might tell your friends and neighbors, uh, you know, I'm going to be studying the Word of God from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock every morning. And that way they'll know not to call you during that particular time period. Now, it's kind of interesting. I record these programs each day, usually between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. I do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's when my voice is strongest. It's also when I feel better physically. Most days I don't feel better than I do in the morning. And it's almost like I feel worse and worse as the day goes on. So I, I try to record this program when I'm at my best. And uh, it also reminds me a little bit of my college and seminary days when I would have Bible class at 8 o'clock in the morning. And usually I went to breakfast at 7 a.m. at the campus dining hall, and then 8 o'clock we had class. And uh, it was very meaningful for me to start each day in college and seminary with the reading and the studying of God's Word. And so that was very, very important. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 1. We're essentially going to be picking up today where we left off on the last broadcast. In the last broadcast, we talked about Paul not eating meat that had been offered to idols. Now, Paul made it very clear. He saw nothing wrong personally with eating meat that had been offered to idols because as far as he was concerned, there was no such thing as, a, as an idol. Because you see, as Christians, we worship the one true and living God. And so Paul took the position... That being the case, we cannot, you know, 
um, refrain from eating meat because it's been offered idols. Or at least we have a right to eat meat that had been offered idols. Paul saw nothing wrong with it. However, Paul knew that in his day, there were Christians that utterly refused to eat meat that had been offered idols. Now, these believers were typically very legalistic. We would see them today as very weak in the faith. But, you know, Paul took the position. He said, you know, if my eating meat would cause them to stumble, then I'm not going to do it. Paul said, do I have a right to eat meat? Absolutely. But if it's going to cause my weaker brother or sister in Christ to stumble, then guess what? I'm not going to do it. He gave up his right to eat meat for the benefit of those in the church that felt like it would be a terrible sin to eat meat. Now, like I say, this is not an issue in our day. You and I, we could go to Walmart or any other grocery store, and you're not going to see a section titled Meat Offered Idols. But this was a big issue. This was a very big issue in Paul's day. He did not want to eat meat. I mean, he didn't want to eat meat if it was going to cause his younger or brother, sister in Christ to stumble, even though he personally saw nothing wrong with it. So we come to that same idea as we begin chapter 9 and verse 1. Paul says, and... I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's Apostle. Now, one of the interesting things we point out here is that Paul had to spend a lot of time in his ministry defending his apostleship. There were many who did not consider Paul to be an apostle, even though he met the criteria for being an apostle. Because he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ physically with his own eyes on the road to Damascus. That qualified him to be an apostle. But many did not see it that way. Many people, all they could think about was Paul's earlier days when as a Jewish religious leader, he went around having Christians put into prison and and killing them. They never could forget that. And this actually kept Paul from being an effective minister to his own people, the Jews. But in a way, that was good because you see, in the overall plan of God, it wasn't really God's will for God, for, for Paul to be used as an apostle to the Jews. Paul was known as an apostle to the Gentiles. That's why Paul makes the statement here. He says, you guys are an example of the fact that I'm an apostle. Because he says it's through my apostleship, it is through my ministry 
that many of you have become a believer. (laughs) He said that ought to be proof positive right there. The fact that you have come to Christ under my ministry. And so he says, even if other people talk about the fact that I'm not an apostle, he says, that doesn't stop me from being an apostle to you, because you guys have personally benefited from my ministry. And so he was, you know, living proof of the fact that he was an apostle. He had fruit. The fruit was his converts, many of them right there at the church at Corinth. Okay, let's go on. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Do we not have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us to other Apostles and the Lord's brothers do. And as Peter does. Or is it only Barnabas and I. Who have to work to support ourselves. Now one of the things that Paul is saying about him and Barnabas. Is the fact he and Barnabas are having to do secular work to support themselves. We know that Paul, by trade, was a tent maker. I can assume that Barnabas was too. And then later on, there was Aquila and Priscilla, fellow tent makers. Paul knew what it was to support himself doing physical labor, secular work. And I have pointed out many times myself on this broadcast, I am a bivocational minister. Or at least I have been a bivocational minister most of my ministry. However, back in 2017, I officially retired from my last secular job, but I have yet to retire from the gospel ministry, and to be honest with you, I don't ever plan to retire from the gospel ministry. The work that I do here on the here on Sunshine USA is the only work that I do. I am now, for the first time in my ministry, a full-time minister. Because this is all that I do. But Paul, most of his ministry, he was a bivocational minister. He made and sold tents for a living. You know? Now, Paul made it very clear that he had a right to expect the people in his day, the people that were part of his ministry, even the churches, even the churches like the Church of Corinth, they had a he had a right to expect support from them. But generally, he gave up this right. For the sake of the gospel. Paul is saying, me and Barnabas, we work with our own hands. We earn our own keep. 
<laughs> you know. Now, some people say Paul was battling a reputation that many public speakers had in Paul's day. Back in Paul's day, many public speakers were looked upon as lazy people. They wanted to make a lot of money making speeches, and they didn't especially want to do hard physical labor like everybody else. And so typically, back in those days, if you were lazy, you wanted to be a public speaker. So Paul was trying to shed that image by making sure that he worked as hard as anybody else. He worked hard to put food on his table just like people did there at the church at Corinth. But as an apostle, he had every right to say, you guys need to put me on the payroll. He had every right to say, I need to be drawing a salary from the church of Corinth. But he did not insist upon that. Well, let's go on. What soldier has to pay his own expense? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion? Or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep him from eating as it treads out grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking of us? Yes, as it is written for us, so that one who plows and one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. He says, since we have planted spiritual food among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supporting? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. So Paul says, it's not that I don't have a right to be on the church payroll. But he says, if this would be an obstacle to getting out the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I give up that right. I'll work for a living. Of course, I might point out, and I, I, I say this from my own experience, uh, preaching the gospel is real hard work. You see, there's a lot more to what I do at Sunshine USA than just get in front of this microphone and preach. You see, I have to spend many hours studying in the Word of God to prepare for each message. You would be wasting your time to come hear me preach if that was not the case. I spend many hours of my time praying and studying the scriptures for every broadcast that I do. And then, of course, there's the administrative things that I do. 
things that I do behind the scenes to promote the program, the plan for future growth, and the way I see it, 2024 should be a year of considerable expansion here at Sunshine USA. I'm thinking right now that by this time next year, by January of 2025, this ministry, Sunshine USA, could be a whole lot bigger than it is now. But that means, of course, there's a lot of work that I have to do behind the scenes. Work that you never see me do, but nonetheless, I'm working very, very hard. And it's quite a load to carry. And I, I might point out, as I've pointed out before, I don't get paid a dime for doing this. What I do here at Sunshine USA is free gratis. I do it simply as a volunteer, even though I'm the head and founder of this ministry. The bottom line, I don't collect a paycheck. Do I have a right to collect a paycheck? Sure. But I would rather see to it that any money that comes in goes directly into furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. He says, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordained that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet, I have never used any of these rights, and I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start exercising those rights now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching, the good news, is not something that I can boast about. I am compelled to do it by God. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Now he points out here that he preaches the gospel without charge. I can't tell you how many times in the course of my ministry that I have preached the gospel without a paycheck. There have been many times when a church would call me to fill in at the last moment. I would come and I would do it and I never got an offering, never got a paycheck. Now sometimes I did and that was great. But a lot of times I did and that was great too. No one can ever truthfully say that I got rich preaching the gospel. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because I've made a whole lot more money in my lifetime outside of the ministry than I've ever made inside the ministry. Paul says the important thing is getting out the gospel. Paul made it clear, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He says it's something that I have to do. It's a burning desire. It's a burning passion in my heart. To preach and to proclaim 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, if I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. Notice he says, God has given me this sacred trust. Paul saw himself as being entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like a senior pastor when he begins his ministry at a church. He recognizes that he has been entrusted with the ministry of his predecessor and those that came before. So so Paul saw it as quite an honor to be entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even if you're not in professional ministry per se, you as a Christian have a duty and a responsibility to do your part to get out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you know what a lot of people are thinking in the pew today, don't you? A lot of people are saying, well, you know, I don't need to do any soul winning. I don't need to preach. I don't need to do any witnessing. I put my check in the offering plate and I let the pastor do that for me. Well, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of that the pastor does need to do. But the pastor can't do it all by himself. You have a responsibility to do your part, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And really, when you think about it, it's really simple. This thing of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is simply telling somebody else what the Lord has done for you. You know, when you witness to someone else, you don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible. <laughs> you don't have to fire one verse of Scripture after another at them. You simply need to share with them what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. And let them know that what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, he will gladly do for them. Amen. Amen. So do understand that you should find a way to share with others the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and a lot of times it doesn't have to be a dedicated effort. For example, you might be waiting in the grocery line at Walmart. What about that person in front of you in line? Do they go to church anywhere? Are they a Christian? Why not find out? You can just casually ask them, hey, you go to church anywhere? And they'll probably tell you, yeah, I go to such and such a church, or maybe they'll be honest enough to say, no, I don't go to a church right now. And then you can take that opportunity to share with them the church you go to, and invite them to come to church with you. You know, you could say something like, I'll tell you what, you come to church with me and I'll sit beside you. <laughs> I remember not too many weeks ago, I, I was 
inviting someone to church, and I said, you know what? If you will come to church next Sunday, I will sit with you, or you can sit with me. And much to my surprise, they did it. And now a lot of times people say, well, you know, I think about it, I might come. But they rarely did. But this person actually did. They came to church. And you know what? I, I kept my word. I sat with them. You know, you don't have to have a fancy theological degree in order to witness for Jesus Christ. All you have to do is be able to say, you know what? This is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. I love to tell people about how the fact is that I got saved back in November 1969, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I got saved and received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I said, you know what? Before that, I was pretty religious. I went to church every Sunday morning. I went to church every Sunday night. I went to church every Wednesday night. But I recognized, you know, I need something that I don't have. I needed Jesus. And I got Jesus on November 1969, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I just enjoy to this day telling people how I got saved and came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I said, you know, there's nothing special about me. The Lord could save you and give you a brand new life just like he did for me. God has a home in heaven for you just like he has a home in heaven for me. It's that simple, really. Now, I think we're going to bring the broadcast to a close today. Uh, I've got some appointments that I have to keep today, so I don't have time to record as long a broadcast this morning as I would usually record. But if you have a Bible study question, or if you have a prayer request, then I want you to know you can contact me by email. Usually that's the quickest, easiest way to get a hold of me. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And if you like, guess what? If you like, you can contact me by snail mail. I have a snail mail address. My snail mail address is warrenlandis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R or, well, <laughs> let me back up here. That's um, T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. You cannot imagine what a letter from you today would mean. It would brighten up my day to no end. Now, if you like, there's another way you can contact me, and this is uh, something we added just last week. I added a phone line just last week and specifically dedicated it to Sunshine USA. And the phone number is 864 608 
864-608-2102. And that is a number you can call if you need somebody to talk to. If you need to share a prayer request. Now, I don't know too many preachers out there that are giving out their own personal phone number. I do it because this is truly a personal interactive ministry. And I would love to hear from you today. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.